Ephesians chapter 1, verses 12 through 14, the Word of God says that we should be to the praise of His glory, who first trusted in Christ, in whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for these powerful scriptures. We're going to talk about a subject today that uh, is so exciting and, and just so wonderful, yet it's often overlooked. And I pray today that you would give us insight into your word. You'd give me the, the words to say, give us ears to hear. And Lord, that you would be the teacher as we look at these tremendous verses. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. And let's just pray once more. Father, thank you for the song. Thank you for the truth that is under the blood. And we do praise your name. That uh, we never forget it. Help us never get too far from Calvary. And now, Lord, we turn to the scriptures to see one of the great benefits we have in salvation. I pray that you'd open the eyes of understanding, save those that need saved, encourage those that need encouraged, and teach us all, anchor us in this truth um, so we can live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Ephesians chapter 1. Uh, I love these verses. matter of fact, if, if you ask me what is my favorite book in the Bible, it's usually whatever book I'm reading at the time. You know, I just love all the books in the Bible. Ephesians, though, is one of those books that is just right towards the top of my list. I just, I've always loved this book. It's just filled with so much richness and depth uh, of truth. And I, I just really, really appreciate it. Uh, but the, the truth we're going to talk about today is one that is often overlooked, but yet uh, adds so much value to the Christian life. One of the great benefits of salvation is this subject uh, this morning we want to talk about the seal of the Spirit. The seal of the Spirit. Uh, this is an exciting doctrine with tremendous benefits for you and I as believers. Uh, now what does it mean to be sealed with the Spirit? We're going to dive right in and I've got several verses I want to show you. Five main things I want to tell you but several verses to go along with that. And so what is the seal of the Spirit? Well if we were to go back to Bible days... Uh, people would put their seal on items uh, for several different reasons. Perhaps if you were to send a letter by carrier, you would put wax on that and seal it in the wax. You would put an imprint of your seal in that. Uh, perhaps someone would construct a building. Uh, they would put a seal on that. They would be a, a tomb, and they would seal that tomb. Uh, the Kings and, and authorities had seals and emblems for different reasons. And so uh, this, this idea that God has given us the Holy Spirit, uh, we all understand that uh, when we get saved, the Holy Spirit moves in. We are indwelt by the Holy Ghost of God. And we'll go through that in depth in another message. But that, that Holy Spirit in us is a seal, the Bible says. We are literally sealed with the Spirit. And the seal could be anything from a wax impressed with a signet ring to stone etched with an emblem. 
But the seal basically means five things, and I want to give those to you this morning. My prayer is that this will help you realize, number one, how saved you are. I mean, if you're saved, you're saved. Uh, The Bible says in Hebrews that you're saved to the uttermost. When God does anything, He does it right. But I mean, when He saved you, He really saved you. I mean, you couldn't be any more saved. There's nothing else God could do to save you any more than He's already done if you've been born again. And so the the seal will help us understand uh, the the security that we have in Christ. But it will also, I believe, empower us and embolden us and give us the confidence to walk through this world in a new way because we have the seal of the Spirit. I mean, we've been sealed. And let's dive into this and see what that means. Uh, The seal of the Spirit, what is it? Well, number one, uh, it's, it's authenticity. The seal of the Spirit proves the authenticity of our salvation. We'll come back to Ephesians chapter 1. Let's turn to John chapter 3. The seal approves the authenticity of our salvation. John chapter 3, and this verse is famous for a lot of verses. But there's a little known verse that most people have probably looked over their whole lives, but it's really interesting. Look at, uh, let's see, we know John 3.16. Let's just read it. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's pretty good, amen? Uh, But look at verse 32. And what he hath seen and heard that he testifieth, and no man receiveth his testimony. So he's talking about Jesus. Jesus is telling us the truth, but a lot of people aren't believing Jesus. And we know that Jesus said in Matthew that, Broad is the way that leads to destruction, and narrow is the way that leads to life. There's always been, throughout the history of the world, more people that reject God than that accept Him. So most people, Jesus is telling us who He is, God's telling us who Jesus is, and most people aren't receiving His testimony. Look at verse 33. He that hath received His testimony, that's the testimony of Christ, So he, that's you and I, that hath received his testimony, that's the testimony of Christ, hath set to his seal that God is true. Interesting. So the Bible says that those of us who have accepted the testimony of Christ, we are basically putting our name on the line. We are putting our seal to the fact that we believe that God is who he said he is, that Jesus is who he said he is, that Jesus is who God said he is, that Christ is who he claims to be. We are agreeing to that, and we are setting our seal. Now, people would give their personal seal to certify authenticity. It functions much like your signature is today. If you write a check, you have to put your signature on the check certifying that you agree to pay this amount of money. If you use your credit card, and you have to take that credit card slip and you have to sign the slip saying, I certify, I authenticate, I promise that I'm going to pay this money back. And so it functions much like a signature does today. And this little known verse explains that when a person accepts Christ, they are signing their name to the testimony of Christ. See, I have set my seal that Jesus is who he said he was. I have set my seal that Jesus died on the cross to pay for our sins, was buried, and rose again. 
I've stamped it. I've signed it. I agree with it. I certify that that is true. Isn't that good? And so when the Bible says that we accept Christ and we believe his testimony, we are giving our seal. Now, the seal was to prove authenticity. And the Bible says that God has sealed us with the Holy Spirit. That means that God sealed us with the Spirit to authenticate our salvation. God signed your salvation with himself. He stamped you with the Holy Spirit. He sealed you. He placed the Holy Spirit within you to show you and everybody else that you truly are saved. Matter of fact, the Bible says that his spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the sons of God. Look at Romans chapter 8. The seal authenticates. It, it proves authenticity. Romans chapter 8. And look at verse 9. He's talking here about the difference between being in the flesh and in the spirit, after the flesh, after the spirit. If you're in the flesh, you're not saved. If you're in the spirit, you are saved, is the terminology here. Look at verse 9 of Romans chapter 8. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So what the Bible is saying is if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you're not saved. If you're not indwelt with the Holy Ghost of God, then you've never been born again. You don't belong to Him. Because the, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit is part of our salvation. That once we get saved, God filled, uh, 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 indwells us with that Holy Ghost as a uh, confirmation that we have been saved. So those sealed with the Spirit are true believers reserved for heaven. This is wonderful. Your salvation is so real that God said, I'm going to give you a piece of myself to confirm your salvation. I'm going to give you a piece of me that will never leave you nor forsake you. And if you've been saved, you know what that Holy Spirit feels like. He, he speaks to you. He leads you. He guides you. It's a still, small voice. And sometimes if, if you're, especially as a young Christian or a new Christian, if, if, if you get away from the Lord and you're trying to come back, it's, it might be hard to hear His voice because you're, uh, you're not tuned to it. But let me tell you something. If you surrender to God every day and you ask Him to lead you, and you say, God, speak to me through the Holy Spirit, that still, small voice, you'll be able to tune into it. It's like amazing. You can be on a playground with crowded children, but I still can hear my children's voice. I know their voice. And there could be a bunch of people yelling, but if I yell out to my kids, they know my voice. They're tuned to it. Uh, and I got tired of yelling, so I just start whistling. Amen. I got, I got certain whistles that I can whistle for my kids, and, and uh, they come running. And matter of fact, years ago, I got bronchitis real bad, and I couldn't talk for like three or four days. And so uh, I, had, I had gave each of my kids their own whistle. And so for Paul, he's the oldest. I whistle once, short whistle. It's like SOS. It's like uh, Morse code. And for Stacy, it's two short whistles. And for Katie, it's three short whistles. And if I whistle one long time, then it's all of them better come running. And uh, uh, you, you say, well, that's weird. Try it. It's awesome. Beats, beats yelling at your kids. Amen. Hey, hey, get over here. No, just... Hey, here they come. And so it's wonderful. I say all that to say their ears are tuned to that. 
And when we're indwelt with the Holy Spirit, we can become in tune to the Holy Ghost. But beware that if you start rejecting the Holy Ghost, you start quenching the Holy Ghost. Brother Pash mentioned that in Sunday school. Uh, you start grieving the Holy Ghost. You're basically telling God to leave you alone. Don't talk to you. You can lose that and it gets hard to hear, especially if it gets drowned out with all the things of this world. But the, the Holy Ghost was given to us as a proof of authenticity of our salvation. We're sealed with the Spirit. Isn't that good news? If you're here this morning, you're not sure you're saved. Man, today's the day to make sure. Don't put it off another day. We're not promised today. Uh, we don't even know if, if you're going to make it home this afternoon, God forbid. But you can know for sure that no matter what happens, you can have the confidence and assurance that you belong to God and that you've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. Amen. So the seal of the Spirit, it, it proves authenticity. The seal of the Spirit, number two, it shows property. So we have number one, authenticity. Number two, property or ownership. A seal was used to show ownership. Back in Bible days, uh, and really through, through many hundreds of years of history, if something carried your seal, it was an announcement to everybody that saw that, that you owned it. A seal expressed the legal right of possession. The Bible says we are sealed with the Spirit. What is that? It's a reminder to us and everybody else that we belong to God. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6. The seal of the Spirit speaks of authenticity. The seal of the Spirit speaks of property. Ephesians, excuse me, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And look at verse 19. What? Isn't that a funny way to start a Bible verse? Usually the Bible's telling you something, but now he's like, what? You know how you use that when somebody tells you something you can't believe or they say something you can't believe? It's like, what? What'd you say? What'd you mean? And this is God being incredulous. What? And, and the, the, the whole portion of Scripture here is he's talking about sinning with the body, specifically fornication, immorality. But people are basically saying, hey, I can do what I want. It's my body. I can do what I want. It's my life. And God's response is, what? So next time somebody says that, I can do what I want, just look at them and go, what? You say, I'm quoting scripture to you right now. <laughs> what? It's ridiculous. Look at verse 19. What? Know ye not? Don't you know? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? which is in you, so the Holy Ghost is in you. Since the Holy Ghost is in you, your body becomes a, a temple or the holy dwelling place of the Holy Ghost. Uh, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. Don't miss that. The Holy Spirit is proof that you don't belong to you anymore. Why? Verse 20. For ye were bought with a price... Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. See, the, the, the seal of the spirit shows that God has a legal right of possession to our body, soul, and spirit. Christ purchased you lock, stock, and barrel on the cross. He, he, he owns your body, your soul, 
and your spirit. We belong to him. Now, some people will say, well, I'll give, I'll give God my spirit, but my body's mine. No, he bought that too. Some people say, well, I'll, I'll, I'll love God over here, but, but I'll do what I want. No, he bought it all. And uh, you, you say, well, I don't want him to have it all. Well, you, you, could, you could have gone to hell. This is like teenagers that they don't want to go live on the street, but they want to do what they want to do. This is like kids. It's like this is like kids that say, "Put clothes on my back, feed me, buy my toys, uh, tuck me in bed at night, but don't tell me what to do." And we all know that that's not how it works. You eat my food. You live under my roof. You're wearing my clothes. There's some, there's some responsibility that comes along with that. One man said, years ago he told the story that his son said, I'm done, I'm out of here. He was a teenager, uh, 16. He said, I'm out of here, I'm moving out. And he grabbed his coat, had a little bag with him, grabbed the keys of his, his car and was walking out the door. And dad said, whoa, whoa, you want to be on your own? Yeah. I put your keys down because that car, I bought that car, it belongs to me. And the son's like, what? And by the way, son, who bought you that coat? Well, you did take your coat off. That belongs to me. Son, aren't those the shoes I bought you? Yep, take your shoes off. And he kept going. And he basically said, son, if you want to go out on your own, you can. But you're going to walk out that door naked. Because, yeah. Yeah. And he did stay because everything you own, I bought for you. That's like it is with Christ. We, we breathe his air. We live in his world. We live in a body he gave us. We have a soul that he, he gave us the spark of life. Not counting all the other things, but even more than that, God doesn't just own what we have. He owns us through redemption. So the seal is a show of property. Isn't that good? Let me just tell you something. If that truth bothers you, uh, you're either not saved or you're in rebellion against God. The Christian who is, whose heart is right with God says, yeah, God owns me. <laughs> yeah, praise God, he owns me. Hallelujah, he owns me. But the rebel says, I don't want him to own me. And the lost person says, I don't want him to own me. Uh, man, I'm glad God owns me. Amen. What's the seal of the Spirit? It shows authenticity. Number two, it shows property. Number three, it shows authority. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. A seal was used to express authority. For example, an edict from the king would be inscribed with the royal seal. Uh, a royal servant could wear the seal of the king. And if the servant came with the seal of the king, speaking in the king's name, then everyone was to listen to the emissary as if the king was speaking. Why? Because the seal spoke of authority. I am here in the authority of the king. Now, the Bible says very clearly that Christians operate as God's representatives in the world. The seal of the Spirit means that we have been chosen to represent God in this world. That's a wonderful privilege. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 20. 
Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. Stop right there. Think about that. You know what an ambassador is? Right now, our country, America, has ambassadors all over the world. And the ambassadors are representatives of our government, and they speak for our government. They speak for our country. Uh, and if, if someone needs to, uh, in another country, let's say something comes up, and perhaps Germany or wherever, they need to uh, get something done or speak to a representative, they can't necessarily pick up the phone and call the president, uh, but they can talk to the ambassador, and the ambassador is there representing the country. Now, God calls us ambassadors. That means we are representing Christ in the world now. Christ left. He's in heaven. He left us here. We remain to do the work of Christ. Now, but look back at verse 20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. See, it's like God speaking through us. We pray you in Christ's stead, will ye be reconciled to God? Now, the, the context here is he's speaking about the ministry of reconciliation. This is talking about soul winning, evangelism, witnessing, where you're talking to people, trying to encourage them uh, to be saved, showing them the gospel, telling them who Christ is. And we beseech you by God's stead, we're begging you in the place of God, would you trust Christ? God sent us here to help you trust Christ so you don't have to go to hell. And then verse 21, great verse, For he hath made him, that's God he, for he God hath made him Christ to be sin for us. Who knew no sin? See, Christ didn't know any sin. He didn't die for his own sin. He died for the sin of the world. But why did all that happen? That we might be made the righteousness of God in him or in Christ. See, when we trust Christ, God takes all of our sin and places it on Christ. He paid for it on the cross, and He takes the righteousness of Christ and places it upon us because we trusted Christ. That's the, the arithmetic of salvation. We who are sinners are made sinless. Why? Because it's under the blood. Oh, praise His dear name. I'm not what I used to be. My life's been changed. The seal of the Spirit speaks of authority. We remain in this world in the place of Christ. He directed us to do His work. John chapter 20 and verse 21 says, Then Jesus said to them, Peace be unto you, as my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. So when you do the work of God in this world, you're representing God. Now, this is powerful because, uh, you know, when, when you go to the prison in Jesus' name, you never go alone. When you go to the nursing home in Jesus' name, you're there. You've got the seal of the Spirit. You've, you've got, you're there in the name of Christ. Just like a, uh, someone in the old days would stand up with a royal seal. They're speaking for the king. And you don't have a visible banner that you show, but you have a spiritual, divine seal upon you that uh, authorizes you to go in Jesus' name. In the Great Commission, Jesus said, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore. He said, You're going in my power. You're not going in your own power. Some of us are not very bold. You know, some of you could talk to, some of you have never met a stranger. You know, I mean, you talk to somebody and next thing you know, you're like talking to him for 20 minutes like you've always known him. 
Uh, I had a family member like that. We'd go to the store to get eggs, and and uh, I'd be sitting in the car because he'd, he'd stop by a stranger standing in the parking lot. Next thing you know, it's 30 minutes later. He's talking. He'd get in the car like, what in the world are you talking about? He's like, oh, you know, this and that. And I'm just like, man, uh, I don't have that in me. I, I tend to be more shy. And, and some of us are like that. We tend to be more shy. But the way you get boldness is not just working up some fake boldness. You have the boldness of the Spirit. You step into that 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 spiritual seal, and you say, Lord, I need to be bold in Christ. I need to be bold in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can give you a supernatural boldness and this reminder that I'm standing up here preaching today. I'm not here in the name of Paul Chapman. I'm not just telling you what I think. I am doing this because God told me to do it. And I believe by faith and by experience that God is speaking through His Word. Not because of who I am, but because of this book and because the Holy Spirit that dwells within me and because the call of God on my life. And the same is true for you. You have a seal that authorizes you to do spiritual work, maybe at the shop, maybe at the factory, maybe on the route, maybe at the job site. Let's not live as timid, weak people. But to just every day realize that God has given us breath because we are his ambassadors in this world. That's a good truth. What is the seal? Authenticity, property, authority. I like this one. A seal was often used for security. Turn to Revelation chapter 9. A seal was used for security. For example, if you were to send a letter through a carrier, they would often roll up the letter, take some wax, melt the wax on the fold, stamp it with the signet ring. And as long as that wax was unbroken, they knew that no one had opened it, as long as the seal was was not broken. You, You had surety that the property hadn't been tampered with. Think about canning. You know, many years ago, the process of canning food changed how long food could be stored. Uh, Before canning and refrigeration, I mean, if you wanted to take meat with you long term, you either had to pack it in salt or sugar. And a lot of things wouldn't keep that long at all. But canning was this amazing method where you could place food in a jar and create a seal with the lid, making sure that the, the air and the corruption couldn't enter. How many of you remember uh, a mom or a dad or a grandma or grandpa, a great-grandma and grandpa canning back in the day? I mean, that was a big deal back growing up in, in the country, in the Midwest. I mean, we'd, they'd can everything. Go out in the garden and, and uh, just can a bunch of stuff, get a big harvest, more than you could eat, so you'd can it. Uh, my grandma used to make blackberry preserves. Let me just take a moment here. We used to, we go to the store now and they have this little thing of blackberries and they want like four bucks for it. And I'm like, growing up, you could be driving along the ditches. Almost every ditch where I grew up had blackberries on it big as your thumb. And you could just walk out in the backyard along a fence row and just pick off blackberries and blow whatever was on them off and stick them in your mouth and and eat them. And uh, man, my grandma used to make blackberry cobbler, hallelujah. 
and uh, blackberry jams and all those kinds of things. Rhubarb's not used a lot nowadays, but strawberry rhubarb pie. Can I get a witness? I mean, uh, that's some good stuff. Uh, used to can everything, green beans, corn. But see, the, 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 the beauty of the canning was the seal. Every once in a while, you'd go in the pantry and you'd grab a, a can that looked like all the others from the side, but you'd pop that baby open and the lid would kind of fall off. And then the, the smell would kind of hit you. Uh, the food had rotten, uh, had rotted. Why? Because the seal was broken. Uh, we see this in the supermarket. Those of you that are too young to remember canning, you can see this in the supermarket. And I, I picture in my mind a jar of pickles. Now, who doesn't like pickles? I mean, praise the Lord. Have we got anybody here that doesn't like pickles? Leave your hand up. Father, I pray for these people here and here and here. Uh, Lord, would you help them? Uh, your your taste buds need to get sanctified and I mean they make dill pickles and sweet pickles and hot pickles and I mean there's all kinds of pickles and so uh, but you know you you test that button on the top if if the button's down on the top of a modern lid then it shows the seals good but if you ever touch that button in the middle of the lid and it pops a little bit you know that the seal's broken and you you go to open that jar of pickles and that pops, and you know you just broke the seal, and there's good stuff in there. Now, the seal is important because just like a seal in a jar protects the food, the seal of the Holy Spirit protects us. It's a sign of security that God not only has authenticated our salvation, He's not only uh, 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 helped us and given us strength and all the things we've talked about, but now He secures us, protects us. I want you to think about this, that you have a divine protection on your life. If you're saved, you have a spiritual seal on you. You can't see it and I can't see it, but the devil can. And it says that you belong to God. I think about Job chapter 1. And I'll read some verses for you here. Job chapter 1, verses 9 through 12. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? This is Satan talking to God. Hast thou not made an hedge about him and about his house and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands and his substance is increased in the land. See, Satan says, oh, you want to talk about Job? I know how you're protecting Job. You're protecting him. You're protecting his household. You're protecting his, his uh, possessions. You're protecting the work of his hands and his substance. That would be his wealth. And you know the rest of the story where God gave Satan permission to test Job uh, in some very specific ways. And there are times where God will allow you and I to be tested. And the process of the test is not fun. But let me tell you, God allows that because it brings him glory in ways that sometimes we can't understand. Uh, he can fight spiritual battles in ways that we can't understand. But in our own lives, suffering gets the dross out of our lives. It takes the, the wasteful things out of our lives. And the Bible says we come forth as gold. Let me tell you something. If you've never suffered, then you've never grown. If you've never suffered, then I feel sorry for you because you're, you're nowhere near reaching your potential. And the, 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 the opposite of suffering is being spoiled. 
And we all know what spoiled looks like. We all know what entitlement looks like and weakness and expectation of no problems. I don't want to be that. You don't want to be that. Uh, suffering gets those things out of our lives and it, it shows us what's really important and it, it just boils off all of the mess of this world. And that's why people that have suffered have a depth to them and a spiritual depth and a depth of character that can come no other way. Now, we don't wish for suffering. But at the same time, as long as you're in this world, you're going to suffer. Everybody in this room right now is suffering in one way or another. And what we like to do as humans is we try to run from the suffering. But let me encourage you that when you suffer, you don't run from the suffering, you run to God. And sometimes that means you run through the suffering. Psalm 23, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You know, there are some problems you can't run from. But you can say, like Job did, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. And Job said, I don't understand what God's doing. I don't understand why all this is happening. I can't give you a reason. But I know that I'm going to trust him to the grave. You know, the story of Job turned out pretty good. God gave him twice as much as he had before. See, there's a, there's a seal of protection on your life. Look at Revelation chapter 9. There's a couple other verses we could look at, but I'll just show you this one. Uh, one of these days, God's going to allow a seal to be seen. Revelation chapter 9. And this is some crazy stuff right here. Look at verse 1. The fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth, and it was given, and to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. You know, it's interesting. I was thinking recently, many of the things that the world is afraid of, uh, some of those things are going to happen during the tribulation time. What's one of the things you say, oh, an asteroid is going to come. It's going to be a global killer and wipe us all out. Well, an asteroid is going to come. It's just not going to wipe you all out. It's just going to wipe a lot of you out. And then have some other things go along with it. Right now, uh, people are scared of the coronavirus. And you, you say, well, what do you think about it? I think I'm just going to trust God. I trusted God before the coronavirus. I trusted God after. I trusted him during the pig flu. I trusted him during the avian flu. And if I was in a hospital bed, I'd trust him then. Uh, and, and so, but you know what? One of these days, there is going to be a global pestilence, and it's not going to wipe out millions. It's going to wipe out billions. But see, you could worry about that all day long. But if you're a Christian, you're not going to be here. And we can trust God. And the truth is, I would be safer in some war-torn country in the world in the will of God than walking across that street out of the will of God. And so it's about faith. See, there is a security on you. You're going to die when God says it's time. And you're going to live until then. doesn't matter what anybody says. doesn't matter what anybody thinks. There is a seal on your life. That doesn't mean everything's going to go well. Read Hebrews chapter 11. Some of those people 
conquered kingdoms, and others died as martyrs. But God said you all were worthy to be mentioned. It doesn't matter what happens tomorrow. Trust God. It doesn't matter what happens today. Trust God. And so we see this security. But look at Revelation chapter 9. So here we see this asteroid fall from heaven, this meteor. Uh, verse 2, uh, and he opened the bottomless pit. So literally there's going to be a door to hell open. And uh, there arose out of the smoke of the pit, the smoke of the great furnace, and the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. And so it's going to change the weather. It's going to change uh, the climate. People aren't going to be able to see. Uh, verse 3, and there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth. But these weren't any locusts. These were supernatural, devilish locusts. Uh, and unto them was given power as the scorpions of the earth have power. So they were locusts that had like a stinger in the back, like a scorpion. And they're going to judge the world. Now, these are people who've rejected Christ. And they're killing God's people anywhere they can. They're killing anybody that's not taking the mark of the beast. And God says, I'm going to judge you. And so he sends these crazy insects. Have you ever heard someone say, well, one of these days, you know, if insects could just take over the world. You know, if, if spiders, man, spiders, they're, they're, uh, they're, they're, designed by evolution to to take over the world and you can have a nuclear bomb go off and the spiders remain and one of these days what if a spider mutated and then there were spiders everywhere and what i'm scared enough of spiders i don't need any help right but one of these days there are going to be some crazy insects crawling around and they're going to be tormenting the people who've rejected god but there's a certain group of people they won't torment Look at verse 4. And it was commanded them, these are these crazy stinging locusts, it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth. Locusts normally eat things. They're not there to eat the grass and the harvest or the trees. They said that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, neither any green thing, neither any tree, but only those men which have not the what? Seal of God in their foreheads. See, there's going to be some people that are sealed during this time. There's going to be some that are not, and the, these creatures will be able to sense or see the supernatural seal, and they will be protected. See, the seal of the Holy Spirit is a protection. Let me tell you this. If you're a Christian, you can't be possessed by a demon. You can be oppressed. And by the way, don't mess around with that witchcraft junk. Don't play with it. Don't watch it. Don't watch those crazy videos. Don't, don't play those dumb games. Don't watch those crazy movies. Uh, don't, don't, don't get involved with wicked and white magic and all of that. It's all devilish and demonic. If there's any power to it at all, it's either a lie or demonic. A, a Christian can be oppressed. A Christian can, can put themselves under certain influences. But let me tell you something. A Christian can never be possessed because there's nowhere for him to go inside because that's where the Holy Spirit lives. There's a seal of the Spirit on the believer. And we're protected from Satan and his minions. That's pretty good, isn't it? Let me say number five, and we'll end with this. What is the seal of the Holy Spirit? It's a guarantee of redemption. The indwelling Holy Spirit is a guarantee that God will fulfill his commitment to take us to heaven. Look at 2 Corinthians. Chapter 
2 Corinthians <clears throat> chapter 1. Look at verse 21. Now he which establisheth us with you in Christ and hath anointed us is God, who hath also sealed us, who hath also sealed us and given us the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. That's interesting, the earnest of the Spirit. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 5. Now he that hath wrought us for the selfsame thing is God, who also hath given unto us the earnest of the Spirit. All right, now look back at Ephesians chapter 1. We are saved the moment we believe the gospel, accepting Christ as our Savior. Amen? We are continually sanctified as we become more like Him in this life. One day we will be glorified as we leave this world and enter heaven. So we have salvation, sanctification, glorification. It's glorification where our salvation will be complete. Now you were saved. You're not in the process of being saved. You are saved forever at the moment you trust Christ. But your redemption is not done. It's not complete. Because God promised to take you to heaven, but you're not in heaven yet. Right? So there's unfinished work to do. Now you say, why did God leave us here? So that we could be his representatives. Imagine if every time somebody got saved, they went to heaven, who would be here to tell the next people how to get saved? And so we have been saved. One of these days, our salvation will be complete, will be in heaven, will be glorified. But God has given us something called the earnest of the Spirit. Now, what's an earnest? An earnest is an advance on what is to come. It's like a first payment or a deposit that promises payment in the future. Uh, for example, when you buy a piece of property, many of your homeowners, when you buy a piece of property, usually you have to put down some earnest money to demonstrate that you are committed to follow through buying this piece of property. Now, the catch is that if you choose to back out before the transaction is complete, then you lose the money. The other party gets to keep the earnest. This is what's so beautiful is God said, I saved you when you got saved. You're saved forever. You currently have eternal life. I was saved when I was uh, 15. And so... Uh, Back in 1993, I think it was. And so I began living eternally at that moment. I've been living eternally. This body will die, but my soul, my spirit is living eternally. I right now, present tense, have everlasting life, but I'm still here. God told me he's going to take me to heaven, right? Well, how do I know he's going to keep his promise? Well, a lot of reasons. But a big reason is because he said, I'm, I am so committed to taking you to heaven, I'm going to give you a down payment of things to come. I'm going to let my Holy Spirit, a piece of me, live within you. And the thing about an earnest is that if you back out of the transaction, 
then the other party gets to keep the money. This is an astounding thought. This means that you are so saved that if God were for some reason to back out of saving you and send you to hell, that the Holy Spirit would have to go with you. Let me tell you, that's impossible. That's impossible. So what am I saying? This is one of the greatest truths for the security of the believer that exists. God has given you the down payment of the Scripture. Now look at Ephesians uh, chapter 1, and we'll end here. Verse 13, In whom ye also trusted, so we trusted in Christ, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel. By the way, nobody gets saved without hearing the gospel first. Right? That's why we're his ambassadors. So it says, In whom also, after that ye believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. So you get sealed after you put your faith in Christ. Nobody who's unsaved has the seal of the Spirit. This happens as part of salvation. And notice he's called the Holy Spirit of what? Well, in this verse, of promise. The Holy Spirit of promise, what does that mean? God said, I made you a promise. I'm going to take you to heaven. I'm giving you the Holy Spirit of promise. He's the one that is showing you I'm going to keep my promise. Look at verse 3, which, speaking of the Holy Ghost, which is the earnest of our inheritance. What's our inheritance? Heaven. So God gave us a little bit of heaven here on earth. One of these days we're going to go to heaven. We're going to live with God. We're going to be in his presence. There'll be no need for the sun or the moon because he's the light thereof. But now he's given us a piece of himself where he promised that he would never leave us nor forsake us. We have a little bit of heaven here on earth through the Holy Spirit that is indwelling us. But he is the earnest, the down payment of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession. Who's the purchased possession? You. Remember, he purchased you. When's the redemption? When you get to heaven. God will keep his promise. When you believe in Christ, he promises to take you to heaven, doesn't he? Then he gave you the indwelling Holy Spirit as a pledge of what's to come. Salvation through Christ is sure. What what does all this mean? The seal of the Holy Spirit is an extraordinary gift to us. It proves the authenticity of our salvation, the property of our salvation, the authority of our salvation, the security, and the guarantee. The seal of the Spirit is the divine ownership of the Christian and the divine guarantee of eternal security because of the indwelling Holy Spirit. Folks, you couldn't be any more saved. I want you to leave this place. If you're born again, I want you to leave this place saying, wow. The Holy Spirit lives within me, and he's not just in there. He's doing stuff. And I have these gifts. If you're here this morning, you're not saved. I honestly don't understand people that don't get saved. I just don't understand it. You can go to hell or go to heaven. That's enough for me. But then there's so much more. Abundant life on this earth. The gift of the Holy Ghost. I mean, all of these things, the wonderful benefits of salvation. Uh, man, if you're, not, if you're not saved, make today the day.
Trust Christ right now. Confess your sin. Confess Him as your Savior. Accept Him. Believe in Him. Trust Him. And have those sins put under the blood. Let's pray. Father, thanks for the opportunity to preach Your Word. What a glorious doctrine of the seal of the Spirit. I pray that it's one that would ring in our hearts long after we leave here. Uh, Forgive us for all the the days and the times we've just forgotten we even had the Holy Spirit in us. But Lord, I pray that we'd be tuned to His voice and surrendered, and Lord, that we could remember these wonderful benefits of salvation. Heads about, eyes are closed, let's stand. If the Lord spoke to your heart as the piano plays, the altar's open. Of course, if you're not sure you're saved, we'd love to take a Bible and show you how you can know for sure. If, if you know you're saved, take some time and 